0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back again to this, the second episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez, and we're really excited again. We were excited the last time, but excited for this, our second episode, getting into this podcast. And if you're not familiar with the podcast just yet, the Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been die-hard followers of the Blaney racing family for two decades. Today, we closely follow third-generation racer Ryan Blaney, who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on the podcast, we will review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then preview the race for the upcoming weekend, offering news, notes, statistics, and our own brand of analysis. Now, if you're not, uh, that gives us a, a, you a little information about Steve and I. But if you want to learn a little bit more about us, tune in to episode one. Steve and I kind of just go through our fandom history of the Blaney family, how we kind of got into auto racing and watching it, and how we became fans of Ryan and Dave and Dale and everything that they've done. Um, on racetracks around the nation so steve again are you excited to be back on the team I- blaney podcast for another episode
1: i'm ready to get this season going was that was episode one the fandom menace
0: <laughs> oh that's a good <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> that's good <laughs> Uh, No, that's a a good name. I should have named it that now. I wonder if I can go back and change that. But, yeah. But, again, anything you want to learn about Steve and I, that's going to be the only episode where we really focus on us. And then going forward, it's really going to be all about Ryan and his racing career and everything that he's doing on the NASCAR circuit. And then if Dave Blaney and Dale Blaney hop back in, some cars on dirt, we'll talk about them, too. And um, maybe get to line up some guests in the future. So, Steve, um, this episode really is going to be an entire season preview the idea i think what we're going to do is go uh kind of race to race and talk about that a little bit right
1: yeah i want to talk about the different tracks uh that we're going to the different things that are going to happen this season and how how uh, ryan performed in the past years at those tracks too so that uh things we can look forward to with ryan and team penske uh and what they do at these tracks too
0: and we're leading uh, into, we're recording this just before Speed, now it's called Speed Week, I guess, starts. They've kind of condensed the schedule down um, into one kind of action-packed week down here in Florida at uh, Daytona International Speedway. And I guess, honestly, that I mean that's where the season preview is going to kick off. And um, really the first time cars are on track, uh, we'll be getting uh, prepared for uh, the Bush Clash, which is Tuesday, February 9th. Um, and it's going to be on the road course uh, at Daytona. And you remember watching that uh, road course race last year. It was, it was kind of interesting, but dominated a little bit by Chase Elliott.
1: Yeah, I think, um, but road course racing is going to be a thing of the future. So everybody should get ready for seeing a little more of it, because I think it brings out more of the talent of all the drivers. You know, we're going to find out who can do, uh, you know, some braking and who can do some things, uh, you know, getting up underneath somebody and, and, and race clean, you know and do things like that. So I think road courses are going to be more and more fun. The more and more you get to see them and the more different, the road course, the more different, you know, the driving styles. And I think really what it does is it's going to show off everybody's talents. And Ryan's really suited for a lot of this
0: stuff, which is kind of cool. And honestly, having been, um, to the clash and to the, the shootout as it was previously. And then clash again, way before that, I know the history of it is out on the big oval at Daytona, but having been at the last couple and especially last year's, that was just a demolition derby all the way until Eric Jones, just coming across with a, a car that was duct taped back together, basically (laughs) to win that race. Um, I'm not really sad to see it go from the oval, maybe next year. I mean, if it comes back, I'll, I'll go see it again, but it's also changing, um, from being a, a Sunday race to a, a night race that night, but it does give everyone the kind of their first taste of the NASCAR season. I think that will kind of get everybody excited. Yeah.
1: Tuesday night, uh, what is it? Uh, FS one, seven o'clock. So, and we'll get to see the new broadcast team in the booth. That'll be kind of fun.
0: And I, if you're, if you're listening to this on, uh, when the episode drops, it will be tonight. So, <laughs> um, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah, so that'll be, that'll work out well. So from, um, from there, we, they, they go into qualifying for the Daytona 500 and I'm hoping that, um, Ryan sets a good speed, but we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah. I don't think Penske really worries about the pole, um, they worry more about maneuverability in these plate races and being able to pass people, uh, in, in, in the draft. So I don't think that, um, Wednesday, when they get to that Wednesday, they're really going to be worried about the pole, just trying to get a decent speed. So they start firing up, up, uh, in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, dual races is, is probably all they're really looking at. Plus the, the truth is, is they do like to run their plate races up front. They're not one of those teams that likes to sit in the back they do like to be a team, uh, as a team, three or four of them up there near the front, and actually possibly five of them uh, in this Daytona uh, if uh, Austin Sindrick can qualify. Um, so, you know, they're going to have four other four teammates for Ryan to draft with. And I, I, like I said, I think they like to get up front. So that's the only thing I really look for on Wednesday night and in, into Thursday's uh, duels.
0: Yeah, honestly, from the team Penske Stable, I guess Austin Sendrick's really the only one where they might focus a little bit more, getting that car trimmed out uh, for qualifying in hopes of just him getting in on time and not having to wor- worry about the dual races. But the benefit of having uh, a fourth teammate out there uh, for Ryan uh, would work well, and they usually work pretty well together. Uh, I know we get a little frustrated every once in a while when a teammate leaves, someone, uh, leaves Ryan high and dry, but... I think we've also seen Ryan leave a few teammates high and dry himself, but, but that's, that's what you have to do sometimes yeah, to get to yeah. the front and he knows how to get to the front.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's just go time and, uh, you can't necessarily wait for somebody to make their way back up, but, uh, they do a pretty good job working together most of the race. So, and like I said, Cindric will be great to have that. I keep saying fifth car for, you know, cause I count the wood brothers as, as part of the team. Uh,
0: I mean, I would too. I think we've both been to the down to the Team Penske shop uh, there in the Charlotte area. And uh, that Wood Brothers car just is sitting there on the floor like all the other cars. It might, it might not spend its whole lifetime there on, on the shop floor. It's very much a, a Penske car. And I like to think the Wood Brothers, they handle strategy and everything else on race day. But as far as it being prepared, it's really the Penske guys really have their hands on it.
1: Well, when they say alliance, a technical alliance, some of them, you know, share data and so forth. But I believe that the Wood Brothers are in on all the meetings. So when it comes time for Matty D and and Penske to put have a meeting, they're all there together, um, and they'll they'll talk about ahead of time what they want to do uh, next Sunday.
0: So again, if you're looking for the to watch the Blue Green Vacations duels number one and two, they start at 7 p.m. on Thursday, February 11th, and you can catch those on FS1. So from there. Ryan's already going to be in the race, uh, no matter what, he doesn't have to worry about qualifying in on time or racing his way through the duels. So February 14th, happy Valentine's day to our significant others, the Daytona 500.
1: (laughs) My significant other, that's what she wants for Valentine's day. So I'm kind of lucky. And in some Uh,
0: cases you can meet your significant other at the racetrack. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes we'll get to that when we get yep. to Bocono. <laughs> just teasing that teasing that yeah. little tidbit for a little bit later on in the show
1: yeah. when we get to Pocono I will bring that up
0: so the big race the Daytona 500 obviously Ryan has had some pretty impressive runs at Daytona whether it's the 500 or the July race so statistically Steve how does Ryan size up for this race
1: well um They run up front, and he likes to get up front. He likes to run up front. Um, They've led a ton of laps, especially in the last couple years. And I think in the 500 itself, I think the last time he didn't lead a lap there was like 2016. You know, every year since then, they've led laps. And in 2018, they they led 118 laps. So um, basically, he wants to try and get it up front, be the Pied Piper and uh, truthfully he looks a lot like dale jr out there when he does get up front he knows what line to get in front of his his communication with his spotter is excellent josh uh they they do a great job uh, back and forth with what what line has got the run and what line to get in front of and they do it in a manner that's not dangerous looking um so that you know he's not getting right in front of somebody at the last second or anything and uh yeah if he gets that done by the end of the race uh we'll see some fun stuff And
0: as you mentioned Dale Jr. there a little bit, I've heard uh, him kind of talk about this strategy, that it's it's almost like the Dale Jr. strategy. And even some of the drivers that run for him in the Xfinity series, um, Dale's whole strategy behind how racing at these tracks is getting to the front early and often. And he talks about the importance of learning how your car feels, what its drivability is, what the runs feel like, because they can be different from race to race. Um, especially if the, the uh, aero package changes a little bit. Plus you can see what your car is, is really capable of. Sometimes you're a great pusher. Sometimes you're great at being pushed. Um, but learning throughout the race that knowing that you can, you know, run way up high, skip down to the low, low lane, come up through the middle and how quickly you can do that really sets you up for the end and that, Ryan kind of taking on that strategy really since, uh, the beginning from when he made his first starts, uh, at a super speedway with the, the Wood brothers, uh, he's been doing that ever since. And, um, it's been a little bit of feast and famine. I think we were looking at the statistics a little bit. He, um, he's run 11 races at Daytona and he's crashed out of four of them. It's not as bad as maybe it can be, but he also has been running up the front. And like you said, he leads a lot of laps there.
1: Yeah, a couple of those crashes were a little earlier in the career, too. Um, You know, these last couple of years, he's been up in the front, and uh, we've had some exciting finishes the last year or two. Um, I I think you brought it up on the last podcast, I believe, about you being there last
0: year. That finish itself, I mean, everyone knows the the details of the Ryan Newman crash and where our seats were. um, You know, Newman's car kind of just skidded to a stop, you know, a little bit on fire there right in front of us, so... It was kind of a whole wave of emotions. Um, I I remember thinking there's a chance that Ryan Blaney had just won the race. I wasn't even sure what was going on with Newman because I'm trying to look at the scoring and, and trying to listen on the radio or something just to figure out if Ryan had won. And then as soon as I heard Denny Hamlin was the winner, I remember just the way our seats were just turning around and punching the, the, uh, the aluminum wall behind us about as hard as I could, but then quickly realizing the gravity of the situation that was un- unfolding right in front of our eyes with, with Ryan Newman. And then, um, just, it was kind of heart wrenching, just watching the, the safety crews pull them out of the car. And then, you know, we live about, uh, an hour and a half from the speedway. And that drive home was probably, um, the most nerve wracking, just, you just, you just don't want to see anybody get hurt, but that's the reality of racing and that's the reality of Daytona. And um, as they always say, they uh, these guys know what they're up against when they strap in. So yeah, not to bring everybody down, but Hey, that's, that's, that's the reality of it. No,
1: that was, that was last year's Daytona. I mean, that was it. I mean, you can't go back and, you know, talk about the race itself without talking about the incident. I mean, it, it happened and, you know, hopefully this year nothing like that happens that's that's all you can hope for is that there might be a little beating and banging but nobody gets hurt and uh you know we get a nice clean finish with
0: the 12 in front so again the daytona 500 is running on sunday february 14th valentine's day 2:30 p.m. eastern on fox so from there we are staying at the world center of racing steve we've already run the clash earlier in the year by this time and we're back on the Daytona Road Course uh, for the second time uh, with the Cup Series. The, the
1: road course will be interesting because these um, these road courses not only bring up that how a guy drives on a road course and what they do with uh, throttle control and and how they uh, get up underneath somebody, but the Roval and the Daytona and and later on the year Indianapolis too. They use a lot of the actual track too, so you're going to see not only how they operate turning. In short turns and so forth. But once they get up on the track, what does the car do? And they get up on there under the banking and then go around three and the uh, NASCAR three and four, you know, before they go back into the infield. Um, And all these, um, I've noticed that, I mean, all these uh, stages are usually set up to at least have one pit cycle. And and then the uh, final stage usually have two pit cycles of some sort, the way they've set them up. So, the strategy is the amazing thing too. When do you pit? When don't you pit? Do you stay out? Do you short pit? You know, what kind of things can you do to get yourself a little more track position for the next restart, you know? And as we,
0: and as we've probably talked about before, Ryan is no slouch when it comes to road course racing. He has an average finish on road courses in the cup series of 13.2. And of course he won Uh, September 30th, 2018 on the Charlotte Roval a race that you were lucky enough to attend We were
1: there all the way uh, up in turn two um, which gave us a nice view actually down the front stretch Um, and we were just kidding around with each other about what if these two get close enough and hit each other, you know, I'm just kidding I mean, like, what if these two just mess around and screw up you know and sure enough as they come through that final little hairpin thing on the front stretch there right before they get to the front stretch they do and uh you know but the truth is 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 most the race ryan ran pretty well um you don't get to be running third in a race like that at the end if as if you you know on luck um he did put himself in position in the last cycle of the race they were mainly talking on the radio about um being a position in front of other cars because that was the end of a, a, a round of the playoffs. So they were just trying to make sure they had playoff points to make the next round and where they, this guy was and where that guy was, was very important to them. Um, so running up in the top four or five was really big at that point. Cause, just cause they wanted to make sure they were going to be in for the next round.
0: And I remember uh, saying at the time that it was kind of karma coming back around in the Blaney's favor because if everyone remembers Dave Blaney finishing third at Darlington as Kurt Busch and Ricky Craven kind of slammed into each other the whole way, and you know me at the time just being a huge Dave Blaney fan, just hoping that those guys would take each other out because you could see that yellow 77 car just in the in the background there waiting to to pounce. So in yeah. in this case, it finally worked out in the favor of a Blaney. The, two, the top two guys did uh, end up crashing themselves out, and Ryan scoots through. He did, if you watch the, that finish as he's coming off that turn, he does slide the the rear end out just a little bit, and it's like, man, it was... <laughs> but he, he held on to it and and, mm. and made it across the finish line.
1: <laughs> well, he did say in an interview somewhere that he almost spun it out. Yep. He got a little too quick and a little too excited because of what he knew it, it had, had it unfolded in front of him, and he was just trying to make sure he got there before anybody else did.
0: So, again, he... Uh, So he won that that year in the Roval. Again, he has a 13.2 average finish on road courses in the Cup Series. And let's talk about uh, his finishes on road courses since that uh, September 2018 win on the Roval. After that, he went on to finish third at Sonoma, fifth at Watkins Glen, eighth in the return to the Roval. Last year on the Daytona road course did not go so well. He ended up finishing 31st. But then back at the Roval again in October, he finishes fifth. So... That's kind of outside of that uh, odd Daytona finish in the 30s there. Impressive on road courses. I think he might be a sleeper. He's won before, but all the eyes are on Chase because Chase has won the Roval the last couple of times um, and dominated road courses. But I think you got to watch out for Ryan Blaney, and I think that's kind of what we're trying to get across.
1: I think think, uh, it's time for a rivalry to really start blooming, and it's only a rivalry until you start beating the other guy. So I think it's about uh, this might be the year where the rivalry really blooms even though they're friends.
0: So moving on from the Daytona road course race, we're staying once again in the state of Florida, going down to the former home of the NASCAR Cup Series Championship race at Homestead for the Dixie Vodka 400, Sunday, February 28th at 3.30 p.m. on Fox once again.
1: Now, last year, where where did did they... I'm trying to go back and find where the they moved it around last year, right? It yeah, got
0: so moved. it was going to be earlier, much earlier in the year. It was one another one of the races that was on my schedule to go to, but
1: yeah, they ended up moving it to like the 12th, the 12th uh, race. race of the year. Yep, and uh, he started out uh, 11th and finished third there. So once again, you know, mile and a halfs, and I'm sure you'll have some st- statistics on the mile and a half too for Ryan, but Penske as a whole on the mile and a halfs are really, really good and um what's another thing that's exciting about this season as we go forward with uh, no qualifying at most of these tracks is that penske does a great job of making sure that there is um, adjustability in the cars so no matter where they start by the end of the first stage he's in the top 10. by the end of the second stage he's running near the top five and in that third stage, they, they can contend for the win. And that's just uh, a testament to how Penske pre- uh, prepares the cars for all these tracks. So what we're going to see this year with no qualifying at most of the races is uh, Penske taking advantage of that again, and, and Ryan taking advantage of that.
0: The Penske cars show a ton of speed, and often Ryan has kind of just been bitten toward the end with some strategy calls and a few other things, if you remember from especially races last year. Um, uh, so a couple races there that Todd Gordon would probably like to have back strategy wise, but um, when they get to those intermediate tracks, the the Penske group definitely shows up. Third place last year. What are your thoughts on this year at, at Homestead? It is one of my favorite tracks. I've been there two or three times at this point. Um, I really love how guys can run up against the wall there. Um, exciting place to be. It's good atmosphere. Uh, the sunsets there are great <laughs> if you're a fan, <laughs> which kind of, again, leads to that great atmosphere. But what are you expecting from Ryan uh, this year at Homestead?
1: Well, like I said, the the mile and a half's all should be, should be decent. Um, I'm not sure what the new configuration of the qualifying, um, how they figure out the qualifying, or if they're going to do the same thing they did at the end of last year. But however they do that, as long as he starts up there near the top 10 to begin with, um, I see it by the end of the race running in that top five and having a chance to win most of the mile and a half all year. So barring something weird happening,
0: you know. So from there, the NASCAR Cup Series is marching along into the month of March and they're packing their bags and they are heading out to the West Coast. Now this time, normally uh, they would have been out at California Speedway, but they're going to go straight out to Las Vegas Motor Speedway and for the Penzoil four hundred presented by Jiffy Lube, Sunday, March seventh, three thirty PM, again on Fox.
1: This should be interesting. They they, they once again we're talking about mile and a half, but uh, last year in the spring, started seventh, finished Eleventh. Uh, um, I think there was a late, uh, late caution. That was that one where uh, should we pit or shouldn't we pit? And that was uh, one of the ones like you're talking about that maybe you want to take back. But you know what? They're not trying. They're trying to do something to win every race. And sometimes you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And I think that was just one of those situations. Like if they stay out, they probably get run over by somebody. You know. And you got to try to do what you can to try to help the driver the best you can. And uh, most of the calls, uh, you know. The results are what you see, but you don't necessarily hear what's going on inside the cockpit. You know, that's like I said, like, I, that's why I like to listen to the scanner when I can. And I think at that point, they think they needed to, to get some tires.
0: And, you know, I mean, neither of us have been in that seat. So, um, and I mean, Todd Gordon also is walking around with a cup championship ring on his hand. So we can't really totally question him. But now Ryan at Las Vegas. Um, has an average finish of 9.7 so an average finish in the top 10 he has a pole there in 2018 unfortunately they're not going to have a chance to uh, run qualifying there so again it's that Penske speed on these types of tracks that really shows it in his last uh, three finishes there fifth 11th and seventh in the fall now we're going to go ahead and, uh, again, second race of the West Coast Swing here. They're moving on to Phoenix. We just uh, raced at Phoenix for the Cup Series Championship race. So Sunday, March 14th, again, 3.30 p.m. on the Big Network Fox. Ryan, racing at Phoenix. How does he do the Phoenix, Steve?
1: Well, you know, last year the, the fall race was the big one. Um, you know, he ran up near the front and not got in the way of the championship guys, but was in the mix with them the whole race in the, during the championship, uh, back in the spring, uh, let's see the spring. They kind of went from, ooh, well, must have, oh, they had a crash. That's right. They had a crash at Phoenix. They start out fifth. Uh, it ends up being 37th, but the important thing about Phoenix is getting all the information out of it that you can so that maybe at the end of the year, you're, um, being able to use it, uh, for something special,
0: hopefully. And yeah, it's sort of almost like a, especially last year, it was just like a big test session, um, I guess at the time when they ran Phoenix, they didn't really know, uh, that they wouldn't have practice in qualifying at the championship race. Cause that was pre pandemic. Um, I think actually what, that's the last race before the, yes. the pandemic break. So, yes. um, again, they'll probably, a lot of teams might treat it a little bit as a test session. Ryan was running well, I believe at the time before that crash. And I think it was, he kind of got involved in a wreck with Denny Hamlin, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I remember being a little bit frustrated <laughs> uh, by that because he only made it 65 laps into that race. So, um, But again, Ryan's history, his average finish here isn't as great as some other tracks. He has an average finish of 15.7. But again, Penske speed. He has two poles in his career uh, coming in 2017 and again in 2019, a pole at Phoenix. So I think with his the way he ran uh, the, the last two races... Um, again, he was fast before that crash and then six in this last race. I don't see why uh, he can't come out of there with another top five or top 10 finish. Maybe a win.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's time for, uh, more, uh, they're, they're going to run top 10, top five. I think as long as nothing, like I said, nothing drastic happens. And I think this is the year he starts sealing some deals. I, his expectations, I'm sure are there, I know that Penske's expectations are there. I think it's gonna be real fun to watch, uh, watch him carve through some of the schedule.
0: So continuing on here in the month of March, we are going to another race that might be on my schedule for this year, if we can get up there. The Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500, Sunday, March 21st, 3 p.m. at Atlanta Motor Speedway. You can watch the race on Fox.
1: Yeah, Atlanta is another mile and a half that uh, he does really, really well at, um... The spring race last year start out seventh, finished fourth, led some laps. They do. Uh, oh, that's right. They only ran them once, right, last year. So you know, I keep forgetting. It used to be they used to run Atlanta like three times a year. So <laughs> that shows how long I've been around.
0: Um, they did at least once. They had the All Star race one time. So I think that would have been the, the year when they had three. But yeah, they, they yeah. actually come back around, circle back around this year, and they're running a second date.
1: Yeah. So that's good. You know that Atlanta is uh, is a great track. Uh, they let the you know, when they let the uh, asphalt age there, um, it definitely shows off uh, the driver's talent when they're not driving on a track that uh, has a lot of grip to it, you know. So, yeah, I love, love watching those kind of races where those guys are, you know, in the, driving by the seat, as they say, all the feel in the seat.
0: So not a huge body of work for Ryan at Atlanta, um, since, again, like you were saying, they've only raced here. For a single race each year since, uh, since at least he got into the Cup Series in 2016 was his first start. But again, he did finish in the top five in 2020 in the lone race at Atlanta, has an average finish of 16.2, and for Blaney fans, one of Dave's favorite tracks, or at least favorite tracks for me to watch him was Atlanta. He had some success, success there. I think that may also be that race that he kind of had a errant wheel fall off, uh, when he was kind of dominating parts of a, a race. Yeah. It,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. I can still hear Daryl uh, Waltrip, uh, talking about it in my head. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like I said, the mile and a half are someplace where Ryan can definitely take advantage of, uh, of all the data that Penske gives them, uh, as far as, you know, the setup. And like I said, the communication last year, that was the other thing uh, we haven't talked about yet really is new crew chief last year. And uh, what I heard last year as the year went on was more and more communication on what we got to do and how we got to do it. And it was different than the communication he had with Jeremy because Jeremy had known him for so long. And Ryan has gotten to a point where no matter what happens, as soon as the caution comes out, it's what can we do? What do we do? What can we figure out? You know, this is what it's doing. This is what it's not doing. And uh, they do a really good job together last year from what I've heard uh, on the radios uh, of, of really giving him what he needs to know so that he can adjust the car to help him go faster.
0: Yeah, again, I mean, Todd Gordon, a uh, championship crew chief, just a couple years removed. And Team Penske decides to make a major shakeup and just shuffle the, the teams around. Actually, really, they shuffled the drivers around because I believe the pit crews and, and everyone mm-hmm. stayed together. Uh, they're mm-hmm. just new driver and slapping on a, a different set of decals uh, for the team. So I think it, it, it really kind of showed uh, some progress by the end of the season. At the beginning, it was a little bit rocky and not having practice and qualifying. Um Kind of limits the amount of time that those guys can work together i do know that um ryan like most of the drivers spends a lot of time in the ford simulator and i'm sure todd is there by his side and they're talking about setups and adjustments and things that he can do but really it's it's all about how it feels on the racetrack live and in person um and again this second year together hopefully that um with the eight races this year that they're going to have practice Maybe they can grow that relationship a little bit more and translate it into a little bit more wins. Cause I don't know about you, but we're kind of used to Ryan winning about one race a year, even in most of the series that he's been with the trucks, it was kind of a one race a year thing with Xfinity. I think there's maybe a couple of times where he won more than one, uh, but he never was really running for full season for points there. But so far in the cup series, since he won a race, it's been kind of one a year, um, I don't want to set the bar too high, but it'd be great to get three, but two would also be great. But again, if it comes to October and we still don't have one yet, one would also be great too. <laughs> but, um, again, he's in a he's in Penske equipment. We know Ryan's a proven driver and, um, we think we'll, he'll, he'll put it into victory lane a couple more times. um, So, leaving Atlanta, our last race here in the month of March, Sunday, March 28th, 3.30pm, again on Fox. Steve, just go ahead and throw your notebook out the window because we're going to Bristol Motor Speedway, a place that Ryan's run well at. He's won an Xfinity race there. He's run well in the Cup Series, but they're slapping down like 10 feet of dirt onto this track uh, like they did back in World of Outlaws style, and they're going to throw these Cup cars onto dirt And uh, we don't have any stats that can tell you how Ryan's going to do in that race.
1: No, everybody uh, seems to be coming at this from a different direction. Um, Some people uh, are going back to how the trucks raced at Eldora. Uh, Some people who've been around the Cup Series long enough have raced on dirt, not in a cup car, but have raced on dirt at Eldora in the uh, prelude to the dream. So there are some guys who have some experience with dirt. Now, how a cup car is going to react on the dirt, we're going to have to find out uh, that week when they do practice and qualifying. But if you have any kind of experience on dirt, at least you kind of know what you have to do to correct and overcorrect and maybe how you have to steer, steer the vehicle uh, to get maximum speed out of it. Um, I talked to a couple people, um, one guy who does uh, engines for sprint cars, and he, he, he told me that uh, it'll be great as long as no ruts develop into the track you know, which is a dirt problem that does da- happen at dirt tracks sometimes. Um, and they're running a dirt event or two, like the week or two before that um, so on the track. So how much does that track get chewed up and have to be redone before the cup cars show up? But uh, Ryan actually did halfway decent and um, in, in his two, two, two tries at Eldora, Um He even, I think, won one of the
0: um, I guess they, they ran heats, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, they ran heats. So he ran one of the heat races there. Um, I think he finished fourth or fifth? Uh, fifth, yeah. Uh, one year there so you know he's got a little bit of experience in some sort of car that's a bigger car on dirt Um, how that's going to translate I don't know there are guys right now and we were talking uh, we've been talking during the week on this um, that are putting together some modifieds and so on and so forth and going to be out uh, driving you said Logano drove last uh, in the last couple days there
0: yeah, so again, we're leading into uh, speed week here. So Joey Logano has been down at Volusia Speedway Park, again, just about an hour from my home base here, is in Florida. And he, I guess, has he ran the Prelude to the Dream a couple of times at Eldora, and then since then this year he decided to kind of get into a UMP modified, and I guess he's tested it a few times. Then he came down here to Volusia. It was kind of an odd night where they're kind of they have a hundred cars there. They're running a bunch of features, so he got to run in a feature uh, with really without having to go through heats uh, and and qualifying. And he, I think, went from the back of the pack all the way and finished third in his first kind of official dirt modified race. So. I think that really shows you, uh, whether you're a fan of Joey or not, that his talent behind the wheel can can translate to other cars. Yeah, the the,
1: uh, Cup guys in the next couple weeks uh, going into March are going to be interesting if you'll hear a story here or there about a couple guys putting something together on a dirt track somewhere so that it could at least try it. Like I said, it might not be a Cup car because they're not allowed to do certain types of testing, but something that might react similar so they can at least get that feel. The only thing about it is, is most dirt tracks aren't built with the banking that uh, Bristol Motor Speedway has. Um, so that's going to be kind of hard to simulate. But for the most part, at least getting that idea of what happens when the back end goes out from underneath you and how you have to like, turn a little bit right to go left, hopefully. I don't know how the cup cars are going to react to that. Um, how they're going to build them up off the ground, so the splitter's not hitting the dirt. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things that are going to be fun to watch uh, that week, and uh, I'm glad they did it. I know a little bit; it's a little bit controversial in some NASCAR circles, but uh, I'm glad they do it. You know, at least once.
0: It is. I mean, I'm a little sad that they are taking away a race on at Bristol in its traditional form. Um, they could have probably gone back to Eldora. I know Tony Stewart's been a little bit salty about not getting that Cup race. Um, they're going to Knoxville with the trucks this year. Um, so I think there's and those pretty much are really maybe the only two facilities that have enough grandstand capacity to possibly host a, a cup race. So I mean we're gonna see, like you said, we don't know how these cars are going to react. They have added, they said at least about 10 feet of of dirt or between the the sawdust and dirt that they've added to take some of that banking out there at Bristol. But again, you have to remember this isn't. Uh, you know, a a traditional dirt track where the dirt's been there forever, or at least trucked in every couple of years, we saw how Eldora really reacted to the truck series and the way they did the track prep really by the end of the night, it was almost, and I've walked out on dirt tracks like this. It's kind of almost as hard as a rock or hard as asphalt with plenty of rubber laid down. And I think by the end of this uh, race, it's 250 laps, 133.25 miles. I think by you know lap 200, it's probably going to look really similar to a uh, an asphalt track at that point, pretty packed down. That's my prediction, at least.
1: I, you know what? You brought up something very interesting there that I hadn't even thought about, um, tires. Is Goodyear bringing a tire for that, or are they going to go with some sort of dirt tire? Because I don't know how tires are going to act and react and what kind of tire they're going to have to
0: actually use sure so what they've done in the past at least what they did with the trucks it is a goodyear tire but it does have treads on it um i don't know how similar that is to the you know the rain tire treads that they do um might need to pull up a picture of what that looks like but it will be a you know a racing tire probably from the 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 side view it's going to look like a normal cup series slick but um once you kind of turn it you'll see the treads on there but i don't think it's going to be look as similar to like you know maybe like a right rear from a sprint car or something like that it'll be interesting i mean going into this no one really knows what to expect again if you're haven't been following ryan too long or if you just know uh the history of the family being big into dirt racing ryan really only dabbled just a little bit in dirt uh early on in his career here and there and then from there it was straight asphalt all the way in the fast lane up through the the ranks into NASCAR. So, and he kind of says that all the time. Everyone thinks that he has all this dirt racing experience because of what Dave and Dale and Lou did. Uh, But really he doesn't. So uh, it's, it's just as a, uh, it'll be just interesting as for him as it is anybody else that hasn't been out there.
1: Which makes that Fox commercial even, even funnier where they've got him sitting there playing with the, you know, kneeling down playing with the dirt in his hands. That's kind of, that's
0: even funnier. The good news is it's in his blood, so if that's a leg up against anybody else, then uh, I'll take it. <laughs> so hey, he,
1: won, he won the first roval uh, race. Why not the first dirt race?
0: That's a good point. I I think if maybe he'll have a career first here. So I'm just looking to, forward to his first Cup championship. So the Cup series now after they they go through that um, I don't want to call it a circus, but who knows? Well, how it'll end up there at Bristol Motor Speedway on dirt. We move into the month of April. They're going to another short track. Saturday, April 10th, 7.30 p.m. This is Martinsville Under the Lights. You can watch this race on FS1, the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500. Um,
1: I've been to Martinsville a couple times now, and uh, if you're ever going to go someplace, the C1 Live, I mean, Bristol is the first one I go to, but Martinsville will probably be the second one. Um, The atmosphere is great there. It's a smaller area, smaller track, um, and so you're closer to the action and the racing itself live is probably better than what you see on TV because TV will concentrate on two or three things that are going on maybe and catch something here or there. But when you're live, you see a lot more of it in front of you, especially into the turns when they do get um, two wide, three wide, even though really truthfully to make the turn properly, it's only one, one lane there. So when that guy gets on the outside, and it usually takes two or three laps to set up a pass, you can't necessarily do it in one lap or in one turn. So, uh, the racing is always really good. They're really tight. Um, Ryan got the pole there last year. Was that a draw though? Cause they were into the,
0: it would have been by draw at draw, that point. Right.
1: Yeah. And then finished second. And he, you know, he led a bunch of laps there again. And then the one of the years that we were there was the year it snowed. Um, so we ended up having to come back the next day, but, um, he led a bunch of laps that day, too, so he's really good there once he gets up front at uh, holding them off and um, really good at ticking off consistent laps there, which is very important once you do get out front.
0: Which, honestly, early on in his career, he uh, his first three starts at Martinsville with the Wood Brothers were a little bit on the shaky side, 19th, 19th, 25th, but in uh, the fall race in 2017 it looks like things finally clicked because from then on he just rattled off finishes of eight third an odd one here at 20th in 2018 in the fall race but then fourth fifth second and then second again both of his visits uh, to Martinsville last year he finished in the second position so uh, again of the tracks that we've listed so far if you want to circle one that Ryan it might be a contention in for the win, Martinsville would have to be one of them. Overall, he has an average start of 8.1, which really won't matter this year. Average finish of 10.7. Another one of his tracks where he has an average finish, at least in the, the top 10.
1: Yeah, and you know the next race is one that you might not want to watch.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so so we're moving on. Uh, this has kind of been a, a short track swing here. Moving on from Martinsville Raceway, we're going to Richmond Raceway. Sunday, April 18th, 3 p.m. The race is on Fox. The Toyota owner's 400 a weird uh, relationship that i would say ryan has with richmond because again if you go back early into his nascar career he's running in the xfinity series for tommy baldwin racing his first race ever in the series comes out of there with a, a top 10 so you'd think that richmond would be one of ryan's favorite tracks but um steve i think you can fill us in on that that might not actually be the case you know i
1: think part of it is the package because when you watch um under this current package that the, that the that, uh, cup series is running under when you watch Richmond, it becomes single file. Uh, it becomes really hard to pass. Um, it's a momentum type thing where you got to get it wound up and be really consistent. And even at that, once you get behind somebody, it's hard to get them out of the way. And, and it's not your short, short track where you can bumper somebody and you know, all the time. Now at the end of the race, you'll see it because everybody's in a hurry at that point. But um, we were there uh, i want to say two years ago and uh, it did it got to be like a i don't want to say a snooze fest but the only time anything happened was on a restart you know and there wasn't a lot of crashes or anything because once they got spread out they got spread out and maybe next year when they when they get to the next package it'll get better but right now it makes it kind of rough it's all about track position whether you have it or not and uh you know last year uh they, the they didn't they ran there later in the year last year during the playoffs and you know he started out like 15th finished 19th you know so he basically got into that that area where it was just you know you're here and unless you get lucky with some track position you're going to be stuck there you know
0: yeah so again not the best track for ryan um his average start there's uh just under 15th place and the average finish is at 24.8 um Sometimes with drivers, they just kind of have that track they don't like. And for me, it's like I almost think it just kind of gets in their head. He sees that on the schedule and he knows, ah, I just don't like Richmond. But I can't totally speak for Ryan. But I know there's there's guys out there that can say, yeah, that's just not really the place that, that I want to be. So we're just going to go ahead and maybe move on from Richmond and go to a track that has been... Uh, great to the blaney family i would say between ryan and dave and that is talladega super speedway we're going there sunday april 25th the race is at 2 p.m on fox and talladega it's become one of my favorite tracks why is that steve
1: I think it's because the 12 car ends up winning the darn thing every, uh, every year now. Uh, he does a great job. Once again, what we were talking about with uh, the with, uh, super speedways, they get out front, they lead the laps. He does a great job of controlling everything. But the truth is, is, he's won both those races by .007. And it came down to the end where everybody was kind of bumping each other and grinding each other. And uh, he does a good job with his elbows up. And that's important.
0: And honestly, I mean, he has those two wins coming in 2019, the, the fall race there and then the spring race, uh, 2020, um, finishing first, average finish of 18.1, average start of 12.2. And I mean, Talladega is kind of always an exciting race. Brian, as we talked about with Daytona, has really kind of come out into the forefront as one of the best uh, super speedway racers out there. In his 13 starts there, he's led 163 laps, most of them coming in the last uh, three races. Uh, his two victories there, he led 35 laps and then 63 laps. And then in the fall race where he did finish 25th um, after a crash, he led 10 laps in that race. Um, so, I mean, he, it's, it's been a good track to him. It's been a good track to, to Dave in the past. and the Honestly, even really early on uh, in, in Ryan's career. 2015 he finishes fourth and i are from what i remember i know he was always kind of criticized from that race because he was running up front he did have a chance to maybe jump in front of somebody and possibly win the race but he stuck behind uh the guy he was pushing and just uh and just kept going on right to the finish and he kind of just, I think after that race had said, you know, he didn't just didn't want to make waves, didn't want to make a mistake and, and crash everybody out during, I think it was only his second time at Talladega. So uh, I can't blame him for that, but it's definitely a race that I have circled on my calendar. You just never know. Just like Daytona, you never know what's going to happen, but you know that Ryan is a terrific race car driver when he gets behind the wheel at a super speedway.
1: One of my favorite tracks to listen to the spotter on also. Uh, They do, they're the busiest at the super speedways and at the short tracks. That's where the spotter is the most important because it's always something happening. And they're always, you know, this guy's left of you. This guy's right of you. This line is coming. You're doing this. You're doing that. There's always constant communication. The only thing that's bad about when I'm listening to the spotter on these races is the spotter communication, wherever I'm getting it from, is usually ahead of the TV. So I do drive the woman who I'm related to by marriage very crazy with because I may say, ooh, or, ah, and it hasn't happened yet on the TV. So she, she gets a little mad at me for that. But uh, it makes it more exciting just to know, um, to hear that spotter because he's making it exciting um, with everything that's happening around the driver.
0: Yeah, that's one of those the downsides to to maybe listening to that. That uh, radio, audio, or uh, following along on Twitter, which I tend to do kind of religiously uh, throughout every race, is that sometimes you get spoiled a little bit uh, if your TV is behind a little bit. Moving on from Talladega, we're going to go to Kansas Speedway Sunday, May 2nd, 3 p.m. on FS1. So we're moving into the month of May here. Uh, the right now it's just called the NASCAR cup series race at Kansas. Hopefully they get a title sponsor at some point, uh, before they hit the track there in may. So Kansas is one of those places where you think of Ryan at Kansas and you think about speed. Uh, it's been, if you look at the stats though, Steve, it's been a little bit feast and famine for him finish wise.
1: Yeah. Last year, last year was, uh, finishing 20 or where I'm sorry, 20th. Yeah. 20th, uh, with starting fourth, um, in the spring one. And, uh, the fall was a little bit better ninth and seventh, but they still lead laps. And it's, once again, it's another mile and a half. So once we get to these mile and a half, the Penske program is proven no matter which one of the three drivers and how they like their car set up, they know exactly what to do to get those cars tuned up the way they need them for uh, the end of each stage and at the end of the race. So uh, the mile and a half are the most fun because you just, anything can happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, and overall, it's not too shabby. I mean, he's three top five, six top tens in 12 starts. You're talking about him leading a lot of laps there at Kansas. So in 2017, uh, on the first race of the spring race in 2017, he sits on the pole, finishes fourth, and he led 83 laps that day. A little bit later on, he led 54 laps in a race in 2018, but uh, crashed out of that one. So again, seventh in his last start at Kansas. I think it's still another track that you can look forward to that 12 car having a lot of speed, a chance at leading some laps there, and hopefully uh, ending up with at least a top-10 finish, if not a top-5. So, again, moving on in the month of May here, we're going to go to the NASCAR Cup Series race at Darlington, Sunday, May 9th, 3.30 p.m. You can catch that race on FS1. Uh,
1: Darlington, uh, Darlington will be twice this year, and uh, last year was, what, three times, I think? They had the uh, extra extra Darlington's when they came back. So they got a lot of practice at Darlington, uh, last year. Um, Darlington's kind of weird because if you don't hit it right, uh, it's a long day. Um, and sometimes it's hard to adjust and come back from it. Uh, the, the two spring races are, uh, last year early on, um, with the draw, they start up like seventh and fifth, but then finished 16th and 21st and, uh, you know, ran all the, all the laps, but just, just couldn't click on it. Just couldn't get it together. Um, but he d- he does run pretty decent there. You know, it's one of those things you have to be able to run up against the wall in three and four, and uh, he does a pretty good job with not worrying about getting that stripe. You know, so uh, if they get it adjusted right, I think he's in good shape. But like I said, uh, the last uh, last year, um, and then, and the fall last year, they were just pressing. Um, with the uh, points problem that they had uh, going into the playoffs, they were just pressing hard to try and make something happen so they could win a race. And uh, that that's, that's kind of tough because you're, you're doing more sometimes than what the car can do.
0: And... So that's one of those racetracks where I think Ryan – Unlike Richmond, I think Ryan really likes Darlington, and he likes the aura around it, especially in the years where, I mean, last year you get there three times. The previous years, though, you're only running the Southern 500, and they throw it into this throwback weekend, and Ryan really embraces throwback weekend with the paint schemes. Um, I think now he's been sporting a beard and mustache, but he kind of always grows his mustache out. Uh, He wears the throwback gear and shirts and hats, and a lot of it isn't just – uh, modern throwback gear. It's actually gear that I think he's like Dale jr is finding on eBay or something. (laughs) Um, so I think he embraces that track in the history of that track, but the finishes so far really just haven't been there. Um, average finish of 20.4 in his eight starts there. And he's been shut out of the top five and the top 10 the whole way through. So might want to make note of that. If how many tracks he has been shut out of either top five or top 10. So maybe as we go here, that we'll create our own stat. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So let's move on from that spring race there. Darlington will uh, circle back around a little bit later when it comes back to the Southern 500 later in the season. So we're moving on to Dover International Speedway, Sunday, May 16th. The race is at 2 p.m. You can watch it on FS1. Steve, how does uh, Ryan shake out at Dover?
1: Dover, um, well, last year, um, what I'm looking at from last year, Dover, they uh, they ran it a couple times there, once again, tr- because of uh, Pro. Uh, COVID and the protocols and, and trying to get some races in. Um, you know what? Starts halfway decent, uh, finishes halfway decent there, 12th, 14th uh, finishes last year. But Dover is one of those ones that's, once again, you got to hit the setup. Um, you know, it's concrete surface, so it's a little bit different uh, grip on the tires. And uh, you, like I said, you got to hit it right and have it right. And if you don't, you know, it's, it's tough to pass there. Um, the guys who have hit it right you know, they get out there and they just, you know, they get out front and they just get going. Um, and the guys who hit it in the middle of the race, you know, they'll start passing cars, but for the most part, it's a tough track because you do have to have your setup just right to, to make those passes on the concrete.
0: It's one of those tracks that's really a rhythm track. And I'm not just speaking as my own, uh, uh, amateur NASCAR heat on PlayStation driver. Uh, <laughs> very, very, very amateur. If you talk about that, but it's one of those tracks where you really kind of have to get into a rhythm. And Ryan, Like you said, Ryan does halfway decent there. He did lead 37 laps in that rat last race at Dover last year. Uh, prior to this, they were running two races a, a year at Dover this next year. Dover is losing one of its races and that's moving over to uh, Nashville super speedway, which will be a new track for the cup series. Uh, this year. So only has to go to Dover this one time it's happening there, uh, in May on May 16th. He has an average finish of 19.6. So might not be exactly the, the track that I'm going to circle and really hope for a win, but I'm hoping that he can add to the two top tens that he already has there and hopefully get a top 10 or a top five. So from there, we're staying here in the month of May and we're going to a brand new track. It's also another road course circuit here, Sunday, May 23rd, 2.30 p.m. Eastern on FS1. The NASCAR Cup Series is racing at the Circuit of the Americas.
1: Yeah, this is another one of those um, no qualify, or They're going to actually have qualifying in practice now. I'm sorry. And uh, this will be real learning experience for a lot of guys. Um, what's interesting is that there are cup guys who follow formula one and i know that ryan and chase one year went on vacation to a formula one race over in europe um so there are going to be some guys that have at least watched the formula one race there in the last couple of years um there wasn't one there last year because of because covid but uh so there's going to be some guys who at least know what the track looks like before they get there um it's definitely going to become a lot of uh practice in the simulator before they get there just to see how it runs uh it's an interesting place because it's got some elevation changes and uh you know that that's interesting too because you know the roval the daytona road course you know their elevation changes is banking and uh This one will actually have some different uh, ups and downs besides the turns.
0: Yeah, this is going to be extremely important, I think, for not just Ryan, but all the Cup Series drivers to get on the simulators because, at least for a road course, they still might not have the feel right in the simulator, but having that memory of what turn is coming after what turn as they go through this track is going to be very important. Again, everything I've heard about the place, it's a top-notch facility um obviously i think you have to be uh, getting to a certain grade in order just to even host a formula one race but it's also an extremely difficult and technical track and if you look at some of these turns there i mean they're it's going to be it's going to be interesting because i think in in some cases these cars are probably going to get down to 10 15 miles per hour just trying to to make a hairpin turn and then screaming down uh, a long straightaway after that so um, if you're not familiar with Cirque of the Americas and you have some time, I would recommend getting onto Google Earth and just kind of hovering over that track. You'll see kind of how everyone always talks about how beautiful it is. And a lot of that is just because of the the green landscaping that's all around it and the paint that they kind of paint the track up with. And I think uh, the Charlotte Roval kind of tries to take uh, a page from their book and they kind of do that getting prepared for the Roval race, getting the paint and everything out on the track that really kind of beautifies it. So um I think the, the Cup Series is looking for a little bit more credibility in racing at a track like Circuit of the Americas, a place that hosts you know uh, Formula One, which, I mean, everyone loves NASCAR. Formula One, though, worldwide is probably uh, the most famous uh, form of motorsport. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Again, Ryan, uh, we said earlier, Uh, incredible road racer has an average finish of around 13th on road courses. So I think, uh, it's another track that he's probably excited to go to. And, uh, we should look forward to that in, uh, May 23rd going from, uh, circuit of the Americas in Texas. We're swinging back to the East coast Sunday, May 30th, 6 PM, the Coca-Cola 600, one of the crown jewels of the NASCAR cup series circuit here or there at Charlotte motor speedway. You can catch that race on Fox. Steve, how does uh, Ryan fair on the oval at Charlotte?
1: Well, I know that, um, we actually made a Coca-Cola 600 a couple of years ago and, um, it didn't go very well. <laughs> that was the one where he had to climb out of the car on fire, um, but for the most part once again we're at that mile and a half and um should be pretty decent start pretty decent finish this will be another one um i think they're actually going to do qualifying for this one Um, even though this is a track that they've been to i think that the magnitude of the race being that it's the 600 they're going to make sure that the, they get their qualifying in and set set the field that way so i can't wait to see it i love the 600 it's it's a long night of racing um but uh by the end of it uh and they've got the extra stage in there too they they run four stages instead of three um but it ends up being a great night of racing and it's usually there's a close finish there's usually going to be somebody there at the end um and hopefully ryan will be one of those people
0: i mean i love the the tradition of the place and the tradition of the coke 600 in general Uh, ryan uh at charlotte on the oval has an average finish of 19.4 so not that great but if you take a look at his last three starts at charlotte uh they did run the oval twice last year but going back to the the race in 2019 finished 13th. And then the two races uh, in 2020, he finished third in both of those races. So I think we have something there that we can look forward to a little bit. Now, Steve, uh, every time it gets around to Coca-Cola 600 time, Um, People kind of start talking about the distance of the race, and we know that this is a tradition, but the wave of the future in the Cup Series, you saw it happen at at Atlanta and Texas and Pocono. They're shortening the races, and then even last year, they shortened uh, the distance of some of the races. Do you think that there's still room on the modern NASCAR Cup Series schedule to have a 600-mile race at this point when it's really not that big of a test of man and machine anymore, outside of Ryan's car exploding that that one time. um, You don't really see that many engine failures or parts failures uh, week to week.
1: No, I think um, it's good to have one or two. Maybe not the whole season's worth of races, um, but you should still have one or two where you do run that kind of distance. What would be nice to see more guys actually do the double. (laughs) That's what I really like to see uh, is they're talking about somebody – Doing both the Indy 500 and the 600, but the thing is, is where it's placed. Um, it is usually the the um, Memorial Weekend, so you've got that day off afterward anyway. Which um, you know, we stay up late on a on a Sunday night when we know we're not going to have to go to work Monday.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I would agree. I mean, I think there's room. Uh, it's like they're they're never going to change the Daytona 500 into the Daytona 400. We are kind of already have that race uh, in the summertime, so. Um, I think we, you got to keep with the traditions. you got to keep with the Southern 500. You have to keep with the Daytona 500 and leave the Coke 600 at 600 miles. It's just a tradition, and I, th- I think we should stick with that. Cup Series now is moving on into June, Sunday, June 6. We're going all the way back out. Uh, at least tentatively, I would say, to California. Uh, currently, with the earlier race at the California Speedway being canceled, I'm not sure exactly where the Sonoma area falls in restrictions and things during the, this pandemic that we're going through. But at least right now on the schedule, June 6, 4 p.m. Eastern on FS1, you can watch the Toyota Save Mart 350 at Sonoma. Another, one of the other road courses here on the the Cup Series circuit this year.
1: Last year, they didn't do Sonoma because of everything. So, you know, it's but Sonoma is a, is a, is a interesting track. Once again, it goes, you know, it goes uphill, you know, and then, uh, across and and it's like down and back though, too. It's like all the way up to one end of the track, turn around and come back down to the other end of the track. So there might be some short, quick S turns here and there, but it gets pretty good speed going. Um, so maneuvering is, is important. Uh, uh two years ago, uh, started ninth and finished third there. So, you know, it's definitely a, a track that he can take advantage of.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, I keep bringing up playing uh, these NASCAR video games and Sonoma is one of the one of my favorite ones to play. And it's just uh, you get into that, you know, last turn, the carousel, whatever they call it, you kind of see that on TV. And that's where like some really memorable passes have happened in the past. So if you have the video game or something, and you kind of get in the driver's seat on your own and and race around that. That's kind of one of the iconic turns, I think, in in all of NASCAR, especially on the road courses that they go to. Ryan, uh, he has an average finish of 17th at Sonoma. As Steve just said, the last race there in 2019, started ninth, finished third. He also has another uh, top 10 there. That came in 2017 when he started seventh and finished ninth. So I think Sonoma is another place that Ryan could really shine again. I think, honestly, any of the road courses, he has a a pretty decent shot. Maybe Coda is the only one that's kind of an outlier because it's a different type of track for the Cup Series to be on. So, yeah, we're going to move on here to All-Star Weekend, Sunday, June 13th. The All-Star Open is going to happen at 6, which Ryan's not going to have to run in because he has qualified already uh, into the All-Star race. So, um, man, if you go back to those times early in Ryan's career, watching some of those All-Star Open races, they got pretty exciting. So, again, I wouldn't miss that. Starts at 6 p.m. on June 13th at Texas Motor Speedway on FS1. But the big race is going to start at 8 p.m. The NASCAR All-Star Race at Texas, and it's moving this year. We're used to seeing it at Charlotte. It went to Bristol last year, and now they're moving it to Texas and actually taking up one of Texas's points-paying races and turning it into the All-Star Race. Steve, what do you think that uh, they have on tap down there? I know the promoters really like to do some crazy things, and I, I know I've heard them talking on the radio recently saying that they also pitched a crazy format to NASCAR, and they're they're waiting to hear back and see what it'll be. So what are your thoughts on that? I think
1: that, um, I think, well, first off, I think that they ought to move the all-star race every year. I think everybody should have a shot at it, more or less, like uh, like they do in in uh, baseball and basketball. Anything different is worth a shot, and an all-star event is definitely the time to try it. Um, last year was also because of the pandemic was time to try some things too, because you have a chance to try something different and see if it works. You don't know until you actually try it. You know you can test it on a simulator as much as you want, but once it happens live, it's a whole different thing. So yeah, trying something different uh, might not
0: be a bad uh, bad idea. I do like your idea of them, even if it's just the all-star race moving around to different tracks throughout the year but i also wouldn't mind the championship race moving around after experiencing the the last championship race in homestead really really sad selfishly that it won't be in florida at least in the near future i think moving the all-star race moving the championship race should be something they consider every year
1: yeah the the That's a great idea because the truth is is it should be on all the different types of tracks. That's the thing. Short track, three-quarter mile, mile and a third, mile and a half, road courses. Get a little mix of everything so that each year you see something
0: different. So moving on from the All-Star Weekend... We are going to another track here that we uh, don't have any Cup Series stats on for Ryan Blaney, and that's going to be the Ally 400, June 20th, 3.30 p.m. on S N. and this is, again, this is when the, the coverage moves over to NBC. The Cup Series is going to Nashville, Tennessee to the Nashville Super Speedway.
1: Yeah. What is it? 1.3 miles, I thought, or 1.33. And it calls itself a super speedway. So I'm not exactly sure what the racing is going to be like, um, except for what I've went back and watched. um, A couple of the Cup guys have driven Xfinity or Nationwide cars back in the day there. Um, I think Harvick won there. So, you know, it looks like it's going to be great racing. Um, We'll see what happens when the Cup cars hit the track. This will be another one with practice and qualifying. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when you get those practice speeds on friday you know and saturday
0: i think this is an example here of nascar really just trying to get back into a market um nashville is an important market they moved their uh year-end banquet that was canceled last year to nashville everyone but at least uh dale jr and and a lot of people really want to see the cup series on nashville fairground speedway in downtown Uh, nashville super speedway itself is a little bit further removed from the city of nashville so this does take up one of the Dover race dates, uh, but the folks from Dover will be operating Nashville. So it was kind of a little bit of a wash for them and for them to be able to keep a second race, just kind of sprucing back up a facility that ran um, Xfinity races and truck races in the past. So so it's a little bit of an unknown. I know people, when it was announced, were excited that the Cup Series was coming to Nashville, not necessarily excited with where it's going to be running. And I know they have a multi-year deal, so you kind of have to get used to this. They're going to be there for a while, but there's still also this big push to get the Cup Series to run on the short track at Nashville Fairgrounds where there's some history there all right moving on from the race at nashville super speedway on june 26th saturday we're heading to the poconos and this is going to be a doubleheader weekend on nbcsn the first race on saturday is at 3 p.m turning around the next day sunday june 27 3 30 p.m both of those races at pocono both on nbcsn they did the double there last year which was planned unlike some of the other tracks that they did a double at hoping that maybe this year some fans at that point in the year might be able to get in but we're not sure yet pocono and ryan obviously have has a pretty rich history and fruitful history. Pocono and Steve also has a pretty fulfilling and rich history. So I'll leave you to talk about that.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I brought it up earlier. You brought it up earlier. Um, Pocono is where I met my wife, and um, it's been great. Uh, we actually met at the will call window of all places. Dave was running; uh, he was running for Tommy Baldwin Racing. And that week, somebody who worked for Tommy Baldwin Racing was doing a ticket giveaway, and they said, uh, "Take a picture on, and put it on Twitter of you and your NASCAR gear or your Dave Dave Racing gear or Tommy Baldwin gear." It didn't didn't necessarily matter that it was, but um, two people put stuff on that was Tommy Baldwin or Dave related, that'd be me and my wife. (laughs) A couple other people won tickets, um, but um, we get to the will call window the day of the race to pick up the tickets. And um, just got to talking and uh, you know, a couple other people were fans of other drivers and so forth. But uh, we were the true Dave, Dave fans standing there and um, took a couple of years. But a couple years later, we ended up uh, dating and uh, the rest is history. But uh, what's kind of nice is um, when we got married, we got married in Vegas and my wife uh, posted a picture um, from in front of the Bellagio where we're wearing the hat that I wore in the picture and the jacket that she wore in the picture. And she made sure she tagged Pocono Raceway to it. And when we got back from the honeymoon, Pocono contacted us and the track, uh, they asked us us a couple questions and they sent us some nice uh, stuff. They sent us an autographed, um, Ryan autographed uh, Pocono Raceway, like a placard and um, t t-shirt. And uh, then they asked us if we want to do a little promotion for them, and we were like, "Sure, why not?" And they asked us to uh, to if we want to go to a resort out in the Poconos. Their uh, Cove Haven is the name of the resort, and uh, we went out there, we got to spend a night or two on them, and then they filmed uh, a little uh, thing about our story. And uh, that's online um, Pocono, a Love Story. It's on their website somewhere still there, I'm sure. You know, if Adam wants to put it back up at some point uh, this week, you know, he can put it up. Uh, it's it's a nice little piece uh, talking about how we met. And uh, it's a great story. Very, very important thing in my life.
0: It's an incredible story. I remember it happening at the time and then the, the follow-up to that and then you guys getting married. And so it does show you that you can find love at the racetrack. Again, Pocono, a great place for Steve. Pocono has also been very good to Ryan Blaney in his career. And of course, everyone remembers back to that 2017 uh, spring race at Pocono Raceway. Ryan's driving for the Wood Brothers. He leads 10 laps. He holds off Kevin Harvick in the late stages of the race, which I know I was sweating bullets when that was happening, finishes first. Ryan wins the race at Pocono to win his first Cup Series uh, race. And I was elated that day um i don't know about you steve but i was jumping up and down i'm pretty sure my wife filmed me and posted that on social media somewhere without me really realizing it but i remember just always thinking like you know what what is my reaction going to be when ryan wins a race i'm like you know i might even cry i don't know who knows what's going to happen i think if the you know the browns ever made the super bowl i might cry too <laughs> so i don't think i cried but i was kind of overcome with just excitement and um it's just one of those days uh you, you you know, you see your team win a championship. That was almost kind of that feeling where I've seen a couple of my favorite teams, you know, reach the peak. And we watched Dave for all of those years and he came oh so close several times. And he did win one race on the Xfinity side. And we got to see Ryan win several races between Xfinity and trucks and and other races that he was involved in before NASCAR. But it was kind of the culmination of all of that. Ryan goes out there and wins a cup series race at Pocono. Yeah. Being in uh, the the living room, um,
1: you know, it, it, we did we kind of exploded off the couch I mean we weren't we really were standing the last four or five laps you know you don't sit down when you're in that situation and Harvick's coming and you're just kind of like just standing and 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 hoping and hoping and standing and but then when it finally happened it was great it was just a great release of emotions and uh you know that first one is always the best one I think you know you always you're gonna always remember the first one
0: the fact that he held off, and Ryan had a couple of these wins in, you know, Xfinity and Trucks, but the fact that he held off someone like Kevin Harvick, so it wasn't just you know all strategy or or you know just a fluke that that he was necessarily up front, but he had the car to hold, um, you know, one of the top drivers in the sport who was on his bumper for a multiple laps there at the end, and you know didn't make a mistake, wins the race. It was an incredible day and something that I'll probably remember forever, uh, being a Blaney fan. So again, Pocono, good to Ryan Blaney, and he has a pretty good stats there. Um, in his 10 starts, he has four top 10s, one top five being that victory, but he does have an average finish of 12.6. So still some room for improvement there, but uh, overall, I think um, that Pocono double is something to look forward to, and that's going to be happening June 26th and June 27th this year. From there, the Cup Series is going to move on into the month of July, and it's actually going to be a special day there, Sunday, July 4th, 2.30 p.m. They're going to another brand-new track for the Cup Series, at least, as they head to Road America in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. You can watch that race again, 2.30 p.m. on NBC. And I've watched several Xfinity races at Road America, and I can't, you know, say that it was necessarily my favorite favorite road course but that's mostly just because of how long it is and how long cautions take there so i don't know if if hopefully they can figure out a way to to maybe speed that process up but again another road course enters the cup series schedule
1: yeah this one will be uh, like you said if the track is a lot longer it should be interesting to see uh the strategy will be real important there with get with fuel mileage um you know but once again there's just so many things that happen with uh with the road course with Ryan being able to handle the different things on a road course. I was going to bring up earlier when we were talking about road courses that uh, I've seen Ryan run an Xfinity race at mid Ohio. And that's a track that nobody's ever seen unless you've seen it on TV. Um, It's right out in the middle of nowhere in Ohio, uh, basically uh, two hours here from, from, from uh, the Youngstown area. And um, it was in the rain and everything else. And he, he slid off the track two or three times. Uh, He still finished third. You know, so you know, these drivers really shows how good a driver they are on a road course, especially if there's some weather and conditions. Um, you'll see how good a guy is at getting around somebody uh, with braking and, and uh, uh, steering underneath somebody.
0: I am happy for the fans up there in the Wisconsin area. And I know just in that uh, kind of region in general, uh, fans that were used to go into the Chicagoland race, Uh, which is now off of the cup schedule this year. I think that's still within uh, enough of a driving distance, where maybe some of those folks can go up there. Um, The unfortunate thing is I know, um, I believe like some Canadian fans were really looking forward to road America being added to the cup series schedule, but who knows again, where the the border crossing situation will be at that point, or even how many fans will be able to go uh, to this race in general. But it is another exciting addition to the Cup Series schedule, I think, this year. Another road course race, another new track uh, for everybody to go to. And, again, for the millionth time on this podcast. So far, So far, Ryan uh, has a around a 13th place average finish at road courses. So um, if you're going to be excited for a race this year, this might be an al- another one to pencil in, um, even though they haven't visited there on the Cup Series side. So Sunday, July 11th, we're moving on. 3.30 p.m., the NASCAR Cup Series returns to Atlanta Motor Speedway. We talked earlier. Um, Atlanta has only been on the schedule once a year for several years, but this year, after I think I think some of this is rewarding them for what happened last year, they lost a date and then being able to come back uh, and race there a couple of times last year, they're getting two dates this year. Once again, the Quaker State 400, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Back in Atlanta, we talked about Atlanta a little bit earlier. Ryan, again, it's one of those tracks where Team Penske has the ability to be fast and um, another l- race to look forward to.
1: They lead a lot of laps uh, at, at these mile-and-a-half tracks. And uh, last year, actually, I think Ryan led laps in like 27 of the 36 races. So there really is very few races where they can't get, get him up front or get him the equipment he needs to be up front. So uh, like I said, the mile and a halfs, along with the road courses are really something to look forward to. This
0: year. Moving on from there, we go into the last race here in July, Sunday, July 18th, 3 p.m., the Foxwoods Resorts Casino 301 at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. You can watch that on NBCSN. And New Hampshire is a track that's been pretty decent to Ryan over the years, but not, he has a stretch of good finishes, and then prior to that, a little bit shaky. Uh, Last
1: year, I think it was started 12th and finished 20th. I'm not a huge fan of, of uh, the racing there because it does become single file for the most part. It's hard for them to develop a groove there. They are one of the tracks. They try to put the traction compound down to try and help. But the reality is what they really need to do. <laughs> and this is probably something they, I don't know if they could do it. How about put progressive banking in at the turns, <laughs> something that will help them put another lane in basically, because there's no banking in those turns and they're really flat and hard, uh, hard to, um, to put any kind of passing. Uh, it really becomes uh, running good laps, good consistent laps. And uh, it's at the end, it becomes putting your bumper underneath somebody to pass them, basically.
0: So, again, Ryan, fairly decent at New Hampshire. Average finish of 13th. He does have three top 10s, one top five. He had a stretch there from 2017 to 2019, where he finished ninth, 7th, and 4th. But in the lone race there last year, he did finish 20th. From there, the cup series moves on into the month of August and we're going once again, road racing in the cup series, Sunday, August 8, 3 PM, the go bowling at the Glen at Watkins Glen international speedway on NBCSN again for the millionth time. I think I've already even said that a road course, Ryan Blaney finishes well. Another race to look forward to.
1: Yeah. I think uh, last year they didn't actually get there because of things that happened with the, with COVID last year. So, um, it'll be good to get back there. Um, I have a, we have a map, um, a corkboard map of the United States, and this is one of the tracks we put little pins up for each track we've been to so far. And this is one of the ones we want to get to. It's really not that far from us, uh, about five to six hours drive, depending. Um, but it looks like so much fun up there and they seem to do a great job with the race every year. The track itself has, has great different places for passing. Um, you know, you come down off that straightaway, and they get down to that right-hand turn there and it always seems to be guys sliding off, off to the right a little or off to the left a little bit and guys getting up underneath guys. And then you get, you know, down that back area there and and the elevation changes again and you're going back uphill and uh, it's a nice uh, couple of little S curves here and there. Guys get to the bus stop in the back end there. And like I said, there's just plenty of places to pass and, uh, the racing ends up being really good because of it.
0: Another pretty good track again for Ryan. He has four starts there, two top tens, one top five. He uh, has finished 19th, 8th, 12th, and then their last uh, race there was again in 2018 or 2019 since they missed it last year. He did finish in the top five with a fifth place finish at Watkins Glen. So moving on from Watkins Glen, we're going to Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Sunday, August 15th, 1 p.m. on NBC, the Big Machine Vodka 400 at the Brickyard powered by Florida Georgia Line. Um, I know that's one of those. I think that Florida Georgia Line is involved with Big Machine Records, who also apparently has Big Machine Vodka. And the big change here, Steve, it's a little bit controversial in some circles, is that they're taking what once uh, was the Brickyard 400, and they're moving that over onto the road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. What are your thoughts?
1: Oh, this is a good one. Um, truthfully, it's the right thing to do. Um, the racing at Indianapolis has been horrible. I hate to say it any other way, um, but they, they, they don't know how to put a pa- together a package that you can actually race the cars there. Um, it becomes a momentum thing. It becomes single file. The restarts are great, you know, because the restarts are always good. But the reality is, is, the racing itself has never been that great there. Um, I don't know if you remember the year where the tires weren't very good and they had a caution like every 10 to 15 laps because the tires were failing. Um, they just can't seem to figure out what it takes to actually do a good cup racing there. Now, the Indianapolis 500 itself, because of the type of cars, It's fabulous, but the track itself, the surface of the track is is built in such a way where those cars work well on it, but a cup car at its weight and and speed, um, it just just doesn't work out. So the road course is probably a great idea. The Xfinity race there last year on the road course was an awesome race, and I think you're going to see the same thing out of the cup guys.
0: Yeah, that's one of those where that race was amazing. This is a race that I'm looking forward to just because it'll be another new track, another road course where Ryan runs well. I'm saddened by the fact that they won't be on the big track. The Brickyard 400 is pretty much gone at this point, though they said they could revisit it. I will admit the racing hasn't been that spectacular. Whether people should still consider winning at the road course, one of the crown jewel races of NASCAR, uh, maybe once we see how the race plays out. I do think that Xfinity finish last year might be setting the bar extremely high for what we think is going to happen when there there is a chance you know the leader will get out too far ahead but i just don't really i don't really know what to expect just kind of have to test it out see what happens and i think that's what roger penske wants to do and that's why they've moved the race over to the road course just to try something to shake things up so from there moving on from indianapolis we're staying in the month of august sunday august 22nd 3 p.m eastern the Firekeepers casino 400 at michigan international speedway you can catch that race on nbcsn So last year they did a double at Michigan. This year, unfortunately, Michigan has lost one of its race dates. And I know this is a race that you've attended in the past. So what are your thoughts, Steve, first on Michigan losing a race date, and then second, what Ryan's been able to do there over the years?
1: I wonder why um, they are doing a doubleheader at Pocono. And I understand that Pocono, it's probably their idea to do a doubleheader. But I would think that Michigan should do the same thing. Michigan should ask nascar to have two dates on the same weekend it's kind of track that's kind of weird because it's it should be a restrictor plate track almost um it's as much as they get those cars wound up there, restarts and momentum are big that the, the racing isn't too too bad it's it becomes the four or five best cars engine wise as the race goes you know ryan's done pretty well with it there um There were a couple years where he was behind chase on restarts and uh, I don't want to pick on the champion, but the champion back then wasn't very good with a restart because Ryan went to push him a couple times and he didn't get it going and they kind of lost their momentum. But, uh, Ryan does pretty well there, uh, in the right situation. Uh, you know, he can, he can win that place, uh, at that place, uh, finished fourth in one of the races last year. So
0: yeah, overall Ryan, uh, does fairly well. He has an average finish of 16.4, he has five top tens, three top fives. He did finish fourth in the first race at Michigan last year. Second race, uh, crashed out of that race. Uh, after only just 95 laps into it, he ended up finishing 38th. Um, but overall, he does he does fairly well at Michigan, another place where Penske can kind of show off its speed, and it's a place that I know the Penske organization wants to win for Ford, being so close to Detroit. Um, so, again, Michigan loses once one of its dates, For the year, down to just that one single date on August 22nd for the Firekeeper Casinos 400. So, moving on, the last date here in the month of August, the Cup Series comes back to the state of Florida. They come here for the second race at Daytona International Speedway on Saturday, August 28th, 7 p.m., the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona. You can watch that race on NBC so this is the former what we I always refer to as the July race but now it's the late August race at Daytona International Speedway another we've talked about the that track earlier in this podcast a uh, little bit feast or famine for Ryan but most recently has run up front lead laps and this is a race that I think he is always in contention to win
1: this is, this is, uh, the, the last race before the playoffs start. So that's what was great about them moving the schedule around and putting this race there because anything can happen. Anybody could pop their head up into the playoffs by winning this race. Uh, more, ch- more cars have a chance to win a super speedway race than any other type of race. So you could get that surprise winner. And, uh, there are other guys who are definitely gonna be worried about where they finish just so they make the playoffs, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it made for an exciting atmosphere, um, I did get the chance to go back. Uh, we went to the Daytona 500 last year. We talked about that a little bit earlier. My wife and I went back again for this this August race, the cutoff race. It was a very exciting race. William Byron, Byron won, so, I mean, we weren't too excited about necessarily the finish, um, but just that atmosphere, uh, Keeping having like the headset, listening to MRN at the track, and the drivers definitely helps that experience and, Keeps you excited because they're letting you know, you know that you know De Benedetto's here and this person's here. And, you know, Will and Byron. If he wins this race, he's gonna move on and. You know, it's easy, pretty much in a must-win situation, and that definitely helped it. And I know on TV they kept viewers informed the whole way through. I know some people maybe are a little annoyed early in the race that they're always showing, you know, the positions and who's in, who's out when you know at Daytona in a, you know blink of an eye. Uh, all of that can change, and I think that's why NASCAR honestly moved that cutoff race there from previously. It had been in Richmond for a few years, then maybe somewhere else, but had lost its excitement. But a cutoff race for the playoffs, entering the playoffs there, is very exciting at Daytona. And that's another race to pencil in that Ryan could potentially win. So we've made it through the entire regular season here. And we're going to move on into the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. The round of 16. And that kicks off Sunday, September 5th at 6 p.m. The Cookout Southern 500, one of NASCAR's crown jewel races at Darlington Raceway. And you can watch that race on NBCSN.
1: Well, here's the fun. Here's where the fun starts. Here's where um, last year we don't, you know, we had a bad week. <laughs> but uh, this year I'm sure they, they learned from those mistakes. Um, one thing we didn't bring up that happened last season, um, and that was at Indianapolis last year with the injury of the, of, of the uh, pit crew member, and that changed things for the team too. Um, they, had, you know, they had a guy that, you know, they had to bring a different guy in. That changes the chemistry of the team pit stops change a little bit. You have a thing or two that might happen that might not normally happen. And when you get to this level, the pit stops are more important than than anybody knows. And they're very, very good at pitting under green. Team Penske as a whole gains positions pitting under green. And um, like I said, the way these stages are always set up, there's always going to be a series of green flag pit stops, especially in the third stage. And uh, Darlington, um, when that happens at Darlington, it's really something important. So uh, as long as they're not behind the eight ball this year heading into the these next you know playoff races, I, I see the first round going pretty well, and I see the improvement at Darlington definitely happening.
0: So once again, we've decided we're going to be more optimistic this year because that first round last year was rough. But immediately here, second race of the first round of the playoffs, Saturday, September 11th, 7.30 p.m., the Federated Auto Parts 400 at richmond raceway where again this is following a race at darlington where ryan's stats aren't that exciting and then richmond definitely he's been out to lunch several times
1: well we're we're hoping that there's a couple wins earlier in the season so we're not having to press in the first round of playoffs to make the second round of the playoffs hopefully there's a little bit of a lead built up due to some earlier in the year victories so that the first round's really not a very big deal and we're not having to press really hard like we had to last year based on uh, what happened with the points issue.
0: Yeah, and I think Ryan and Todd know that going into this from uh, some of the interviews I've heard leading into this season. Ryan's talked about the importance of gaining all of the stage points that he possibly can, but also winning those stages to get playoff points, winning more races to get those bonus points too. That, as you said, will have you set up a little bit better for that first round so you don't have to uh, be afraid of dropping out just because those first two tracks aren't your best tracks. So moving on from Richmond, we go into the cutoff race there, the first round of the playoffs, Saturday, September 18th, 7.30 p.m., the Bass Pro Shops night race at Bristol Motor Speedway. The dirt has been removed, and uh, we'll get back to regular racing at Bristol where Ryan runs fairly well. This is um, if you're going to go to a track that you've
1: never been to before and uh, don't care where you're living in this country, you need to go there once. Thunder Valley is the most amazing thing, especially the night race, Um, the roar of the engines in that place. And hopefully someday it will be full again because it seats about 150, 160,000 people. And we were there a couple of years ago and uh, the night, um, I think Ryan finished 10th and Dibadetto was leading all those laps. The The atmosphere is crazy. The racing is crazy. And it's a half a mile little bowl that you're all on top of the action. So you don't miss anything. Even if it's happening down the other end of the track, you can see it. And um, it's just wild to be at um,
0: live. Now, I mentioned that Ryan runs well there. What I should say, he races well there. Um, but he does have an average finish of 20th. But he does tend to lead a lot at Bristol going back to the two races in 2018 he led 100 laps then 120 laps and then 2019 in the spring race he led 158 laps and then 2020 in the first race he led 60 laps uh, but crashed out of that race so average finish of 20th his two races there last year he finished 40th and 13th not exactly setting the world on fire there but he does have some pretty decent finishes going back fourth the seventh the tenth and eleventh so it just depends he runs up front he can find his way up front, and he can stay up front, but he has had a couple of incidents along the way that's pulled them out of having a good finish. But I don't see any reason why, if they have a pretty decent first couple of rounds, that if they head to Bristol, I think they could probably pull themselves out of a points deficit if it gets to that point, and they'll lead themselves into the second round of the playoffs, the round of 12, where the Cup Series is going to go back out to the West Coast to Las Vegas Motor Speedway, Sunday, September 26, 7 p.m., the South Point 400 on NBCSN.
1: Yeah, once Ryan gets. Through the first three races of the playoffs, these next six are all great tracks for Penske and for Ryan. Uh, Las Vegas, once again, we get back to a mile and a half. We'll get back to that running up front and making those adjustments during the stages. At this point last year, he was out of the playoffs, so they were just doing things to, to be competitive. But running up front, you know, I finished seventh, you know, so even uh, when they're not in it, they're they're just that good. And this is one of those tracks where, you know, we get to this set of the playoffs. I think we're going to have a really good shot to keep going.
0: And that's one of those things after they fell out of the first round last year, that's probably what hurt the most for Ryan and Todd is knowing that what was, you know, out there just within their, their reach was like a, a set of tracks coming up that they really could excel at. Uh, but unfortunately, they fell out of the playoffs there. Uh, But again, being optimistic for this year, we really think if he can make it out of that first round, he runs right here into a slate of tracks that he has some great finishes at. And speaking again of great finishes, Sunday, October 3rd, the next race in the round of 12, 2 p.m., the Yellowwood 500 at Talladega Super Speedway. Ryan's finishes there, his two victories there speak for themselves. We'll see a taste of that earlier in the, earlier in the season this year. And then they return again for the playoffs on the super speedway. And as we said at Daytona on that pl- cutoff race for the playoffs can be electric. Yeah.
1: This, um this year, the last year, um, not making the next round. Uh, it basically ran that race looking to help the teammates. This time around, hopefully they'll be helping him. And uh, who knows, this is a situation with the Austin Cindric too, where they may put another Penske car out there and that'll be the only reason he'll be out there, you know, is to help the guys
0: that are running in the playoffs. Yes, in that fall race last year, Ryan led 10 laps, but finished 25th after a crash. Wasn't as, as big of a day as, as he was hoping for after winning back-to-back races at that track. But again, if he can make get into this round of the playoffs, another place that uh, he has some experience at and can be a threat to win. Speaking of places where he is a threat to win, Sunday, October 10th, 2 p.m., the Bank of America Roval 400 at the Charlotte Motor Speedway road course. On NBC, Ryan is a... The inaugural winner of that race, and I think it's again another road course race, another place that he has a chance to win. The
1: atmosphere for when when he did win around us was funny because of course we go to the track wearing Ryan stuff, or wearing hats and, and T-shirts and so forth. So when we were stood up cheering, all the other people were like hey pointing at us because we we're the only ones in the section there. You know, there's a there's a lot of Ryan fans, don't be wrong. But in our little section where we were, there wasn't a lot of them. And uh, last year, um, he led a bunch of laps there last year, uh, another 14 laps led finished fifth so this is just one of those places he's very comfortable with it and once again he shows off how good he is on a road
0: course Yep, a great track for ryan again in that first race first the second race there finished eighth and then again last year he finished fifth Speaking of Ryan uh, apparel at the tracks, I will say going all the way back to when he was racing for the Wood Brothers, you know, when I'm one of the few people that's walking around with a Ryan Blaney shirt on, now it's like I see a fan, I see a fan, I see a fan here, I see a fan there. And going all the way back to, you know, Dave's racing days, it was amazing to see somebody else wearing a Dave Blaney shirt. So now when you're sitting in a section and you're kind of surrounded by people wearing shirts from all kinds of drivers, but, you know, there is at least one or two Ryan shirts within your sight from the seat that you're sitting in, and that's great to see.
1: Yeah, we need a secret handshake or something.
0: <laughs> That's good. We maybe we can do that. We'll put that yeah. on YouTube and, we'll do and that. tweet high, that out. <laughs> the, high, the high sign or something. The Cup Series here moves on to the playoffs round of eight Sunday, October seventeenth, two p.m. The Auto Trader, Echo Park Automotive 500. We're back at Texas Motor Speedway this time for a points race, and it's in the playoffs. This
1: is this is it. This is where he makes hay this year. He gets to this round of the playoffs, and things are going to happen. Led this led this race last year for like twenty laps finished fourth. So, this is this is just one of those places where it's a mile and a half and he was so strong there last year. There's no reason he can't do it again this year.
0: We might have mentioned it earlier, but his average finish at Texas 17.2, but his last three races there in 8th, a 7th and a 4th in that fall race last year where he like you said led 20 laps the previous race he led 150 laps. So, it's not a place at least within the last few races. Honestly, dating all the way back to uh, 2017, a ton of top tens, a ton of top fives, and it's a place that he can contend. And it's all about getting to that round of eight, uh, having enough points. Maybe he wins at Talladega. Maybe he wins at the, at the Roval. Uh, maybe he, uh, gambles and wins at Las Vegas. And that would be great if he can get to this round, uh, set of three tracks here that man really great at, because, uh, Uh, Moving on to Sunday, October 24th at 3 p.m., the Hollywood Casino 400 at Kansas. This race is on NBCSN. We talked about Kansas earlier this year, and it's one of those tracks where that Penske speed shines, and uh, he could be a contender.
1: Started in the top 10 last year, finished 7th. Once again, like I said, they weren't even in it at this point. They were just running, you know, trying to move up in the points a little bit, but had nothing to lose. But uh, the, the the mile and a halfs are just their strong suit. And if he can get to this round and be in this round, these three races, he'll make it happen.
0: Moving on from there, here's the cutoff race in the round of 8, Sunday, October 31st. So a Halloween race here, 2 p.m. Eastern, the Xfinity 500. They're back. At Martinsville Speedway, they were under the lights earlier in the year. At this point of the year, they're running a daytime race, so it might change the racing just a little bit. But again, another track that's been great to Ryan, and if he could just get to this round of the playoffs, as we said with the previous two races, he has a chance to put himself into the championship four where his teammates, uh, both of his teammates, Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski, were last year.
1: Yeah, it's uh, Ryan's turn this year. Martinsville's the place to do it, too. Led 36 laps there last year, finished second. Uh, who even won?
0: Yeah, Chase won, okay. won his way into that and won his way into the championship four, and that was kind of like part of his whole resurgence in yeah. the year. He kind of dominated and then went to Phoenix, and then he had to run in from the back, but made his way out front and obviously to the championship. So Ryan finishing second to Chase. Uh, I know <laughs> personally in text messaging things, I always, I'm always i not against Chase Elliott, I think he's great. He's great for the sport. He was a great champion last year. But it's like I don't know. It's like this jealous feeling I get anytime Chase finishes ahead of Ryan. I was stoked when Ryan won his first Cup Series race before Chase did. I can tell you that much. So anytime that Ryan can finish ahead of Chase, and I know that they're friends, um, I'm sure Ryan enjoys it for sure.
1: Yeah, it's it's um like I said. The rivalry begins this year because now I think Ryan's going to start beating his buddy a little more often, and uh hopefully we'll have a ri- rivalry
0: by the uh, end of the season. And I really like what you said a few minutes ago there. Maybe it's the slogan for 2020 for Ryan Blaney. It's Ryan's turn. I like the sound of that. It's Ryan's turn. Let's get that on some t-shirts. So that was the cutoff race there at Martinsville Speedway on Halloween night or Halloween day, I guess, in October 31st. And so from there, the Cup Series moving on to the final race of the season. They're moving into the month of November, November 7th, 3 p.m. The NASCAR Cup Series championship race for the second year in a row is at Phoenix Raceway. And you can watch that race on nbc
1: yeah this is um this is what it all comes down to now and, and hopefully this season will be the season uh there's no reason ryan can't be one of the final four guys um it's kind of interesting the prognosticators uh from nbc were on on air last weekend and they're all doing their predictions uh, on who they thought was going to have a good season and two or three of the guys named ryan they thought ryan was going to have a big season but then they get down to the final four thing And they don't mention him as one of the final four guys. And I think that has to change this year. I think that uh, there's enough room there um, and things happen in the playoffs. I mean, look, Kevin Harvick had a great season last season and came down to the end and he he wasn't one of the final four. And that just, you know, goes to show you that anything can happen. And I think that Ryan is consistent enough where it should happen to his advantage. He's the consistent guy as far as finishing up to the top 10s. And the mechanical failure is the only thing that really, really holds them back.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, it's, Probably the biggest criticism that Ryan gets and the twelve team gets, even back to when Jeremy Bullins was the crew chief, was that Ryan would run well early in races. He would lead laps early in races, but he just wasn't able to put together that amazing finish to get more wins out of it every year. And I think that's why a lot of the broadcasters will say, you know, yeah, Ryan Blaney makes the playoffs. He maybe gets in a couple of rounds, but they're just not sold on him closing out the season in a strong fashion. Where actually last year, out of the playoffs, he did have a great run to the finish of the season, and in this. This race last year started fifth and finished sixth. So he finished the season off of the top 10. I think we mentioned earlier at Phoenix, he has five top tens, two top fives, an average finish of just under 16th at 15.7. And if he can get to this race, he has a shot. is just as good, I think, as anybody else. And he runs well there. So let's hope that when it gets to this time at the end of the year, and we're uh, talking about the preview of the NASCAR Cup Series Championship race, let's hope that we're talking about Ryan Blaney puts himself into that race and has a shot at joining his friend Chase as a Cup Series champion.
1: That's that's what we're looking for. I think the season's going to be a lot of fun, and getting to that point of the year is going to be the most fun. I think that these uh, all these extra road courses and the changes in the schedule really take play to the advantage of the younger guys, who uh, who don't do just ovals, you know. And guys like Ryan ha- have learned how to drive the road courses, and I think that's what's going to make it big this year. Everybody predicted Chase Elliott to be there at the end this year because all the road courses, but somebody else is going to win road courses, and I really think Ryan's the guy to do it.
0: So that was our season preview, essentially, for Ryan Blaney and the number 12 team Penske Ford Mustang. Again, the season kicks off Tuesday, February 9th. If you're listening to that uh, when this podcast drops, that's this evening, 7 p.m., the Bush Clash at Daytona out there on the Daytona road course kind of gives you a preview of that race that's coming up in a couple of weeks there at Daytona International Speedway. You can catch that race on FS1. I don't know about you, Steve, but I thought we were thinking, oh, you know, however many tracks, we'll talk about it for a couple minutes, it'll go quickly, but I think we've gone pretty deep into this podcast at this point, but I think there's just so much to talk about and so much excitement leading into this 2021 NASCAR Cup Series season for Ryan Blaney.
1: Yeah, our normal podcast probably won't be quite as long as this, but we did have a lot of info to go through and a lot of things to talk about. As the season goes, we're going to be talking about individual tracks and individual races and strategies of the races and stuff like that. But tonight, going through everything and looking at it one by one, picking it apart a little bit, it was a lot of fun because you hopefully heard some things about some of the tracks and some of the, the ways they set up for the tracks that uh, maybe you didn't know before, and then hopefully it'll help uh, when you go to watch that race later in the year.
0: All right, thank you everyone for tuning in to this, the second episode of the Team Blaney podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or my co-host Steve, please listen to our first episode that really dives deep into how we both became fans of the Blaney racing family about two decades ago. You can also find Team Blaney on Twitter at Team Blaney and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Team Blaney. Don't forget to also download, rate, and subscribe to the Team Blaney podcast on the Apple and Google podcasts apps. And once again, to close out the show, we want to remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org, or on Twitter at rbfamfoundation, and finally on Facebook at facebook.com slash rbfamilyfoundation. For my co-host, Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers, and we'll catch you next time on the Team Blaney podcast.